you know, there's a lot of focus on reporting events, but it's not preventative, right? It's not helping companies to become resilient. Welcome to the Rain Insights Podcast. Today's conversation is about cybersecurity and cyber risk regulations. More specifically, it's about the idea of adopting cyber risk ratings systemically and raising resilience for all. David Lawrence's guest is Terry Roberts. She's the founder, president, and CEO of Whitehawk Inc., a cybersecurity exchange. Terry, truly a great privilege and honor, and obviously we've had the chance to work closely over the last uh, number of months on a variety of initiatives, and I want to get into a very, very important project, and I'll call it an idea that um, that you have been not only incubating, but sharing uh, with a variety of people and a corporate clients, government agencies, et cetera. But just by way of introduction, I want to do this justice. Uh, let's take a minute or two and introduce your uh, career because it really is varied. And I think it does a lot in terms of explaining sort of how you came to where you are today and and, and one of the very, very important ideas that you are uh, sharing broadly and I'll say in the broad public interest. Well, thank you, David. Always fun to be with you. Um, I've had the honor to be in the cyber arena since the late 1990s uh, when I led a portion of uh, Naval Scientific and Technical Intelligence and I got the cyber bug. Uh, And since that time, my career has taken me, you know, as a senior executive uh, civilian, as the deputy director of Naval Intelligence as an executive director of Carnegie Mellon's Software Engineering Institute, as a vice president in industry, and then with my own company. So what's cool is I get to, you know, see this from many different directions. And like you, um, I think of myself as a 360 thinker. And I've been struggling with why we aren't systemically owning our cyber risk for over a decade now. And through all the experiences that I've had, it's become apparent to me rather recently that regulatory frameworks that just keep telling people to do more and more and more don't necessarily work. That there needs to be a framework that includes enablement and incentives. And I think similar to how we address credit risk, um, I think we need to address cyber risk in a similar way, which is having each business truly own their risk rating, their cyber risk rating, and that reporting and the data behind that. And to make it a part of doing business with clients, with peers, with government, as we do with our financial risk, it's a part of doing business. You can't do business without your credit rating reputation and owning that. And so that's where, you know, this this story began. And I know you have some other great ideas um, around the approach of how to systemically enable businesses 
to own their risk, especially in the cyber arena in the digital age. So what's, uh, I'm gonna start with your first point, Terry, which is there has not been a systemic response. Uh, and the fact that there hasn't been a systemic response to a systemic risk is really the, I think the fundamental point that you and you know other people have made. And so the question is, how do we begin to get from here to there? And, and in a honest way, and let, let's talk about the rating system because we do have it in the financial markets. We also saw how it failed us uh, in the, you know, one of the, one of the revelations of the financial crisis of 2008. Um, and we've also seen, and this is, you know, something that I know you have articulated, this is not just a private sector issue. Uh, government agencies have been impacted as well. So share with us just a little bit of the thinking about how this could work uh, short of having to wait for an existential crisis. So I think the, the first thing that we need to understand is that there are three major risks that every business and organization in the world share and can impact them equally. Financial, supply chain, and online crime fraud and disruption. No one is immune to these. Even if you're selling hamburgers, you have supply chain issues. You need business credit, and a cyber criminal can disrupt your operations. And so we need to put these a systemic approach in place now to identify and help businesses and organizations to address their cyber risks. And honestly, we didn't have the capabilities to do those analytics on cyber risk um, across almost any legal entity in the world until probably the last five years. Um, and I, I was happy to see that the New York Department of Financial Services, who really has been a leader in thinking through you know, how to think about cyber risk assessments, uh, due diligence, um, reporting of an event. And they are starting to think through um, the cyber rating uh, capabilities that are out there and the automated reporting that then allows us to, for every business, to know their rating and get the information or report behind that rating. So it's actually with this technological advancement that we're now in a position to be able to implement it, if, if that makes sense. So it makes a great deal of sense. And uh, the DFS, Department of Financial Services, has been um, sort of in the vanguard of this, and as you know, the SEC 
is currently uh, taking in comments with proposed uh, disclosure and other regulations and we'll be doing a webinar. I'll do a little bit of self-promotion here with Terry and others uh, next week on, uh, on regulatory initiatives. Um, but it, it's, it's very interesting to me, Terry, as, as you speak, and I want to talk about some of the analogs. Obviously, you talked about the financial markets and, and, and the way credit risk is relied upon and assigned. But I always find it's helpful to have some analogs. And if you think about um, in many cities, restaurants and uh, food supply stores are rated by health inspectors and people can see the rating before they go in. In New York, it's a letter grade. In other states, it's numerical. Some states, it's a combination of letter and numerical. And also the ability to look online and, and see what the health code violations might have been. Uh, not everybody looks for this. Not everybody pays attention. But it's become an important sort of, um, I'll call it public safeguard in many leading cities and towns. Similarly, uh, when we drive automobiles, and again, it doesn't always drive a consumer choice, but you have both insurance industry um, and um, a government agency that rates the crashworthiness of a vehicle and this is the overall safety rating, and people can see that. And so, as we think, you know, some analogs here uh, is that more or less, you know, a bit of the idea behind why hasn't this been applied to businesses and their cybersecurity? and their internal controls. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is a societal, right, security and safety issue. Um, and I love the um, health inspection analogy uh, because you wouldn't think of being involved in the food industry, right? Uh, without taking that into account. It's foundational uh, to our society and our world. And that's what I want to make happen uh, regarding cyber risk and resilience. And, you know, we could start with listed companies, right? Um, that makes total sense. That is something that the SEC could put in place. Um, you know, there's a lot of focus on reporting events, and I do think that is important, but it's not preventative, right? It's not helping companies to become resilient as risk rating and reporting could. Because let's face it, when you look at, you know, the health inspector's report, you know what to do. <laughs> you know what the issue is. You know, sometimes things don't happen as a result of ignorance. And as we know, when it comes to cyber, there isn't enough expertise to go around. 90% of all companies and organizations don't have CIOs or CISOs, you know, security professionals. And so, you know, just layering requirements on them is not helpful as opposed to 
you know, giving them the rating, giving them the reporting, putting the framework in place, potentially of an annual audit, right? Um, then they know what they're accountable for and are and are given the tools to then address those risks and become resilient over time. I want this to be enabling, not just layering requirements. So Terry, what I um, have very much appreciated about your thinking and approach um, is that you, you're addressing something that has been missing from the market. And, um, with some of your former colleagues um, have written about this, which is too often this has become a quote a blame game and one in which companies, you know, it's that hair on fire moment and their significant liability and there can be congressional hearings and class actions and obviously fines. What you are focused on is in the prevention and, and you use the word resilience because you've made the point very eloquently that um, no one is, is immune from this. This is about mitigation and resiliency for an enterprise, not, you know, zero risk. And so as you think about um, putting this kind of framework in place, and I'll, I'll, we'll get into the details in a few minutes, uh, tell me sort of how does this assessment get done? And very often, as you point out, many companies uh, don't have a CISO or CIO. It, it, it can be very expensive, and it's not just hiring one person. There are resources that have to be built around. But in order to help um, the companies that hold our data and the companies that are form the, you know, the infrastructure of our na national economy, but in order to sort of help in this um, rating system, tell me how you begin to roll this out. Who helps the companies? Who actually does the rating? Have you thought through notions of independence? Uh, because we've seen in the in, in the ratings space, um, you know, often the ratings can be compromised or susceptible to com compromise. And so how do we begin to put sort of that framework in place and who owns it? Who's responsible? Yes. So I've, I've tried uh, various vectors, explored different options. So I'll lay those out. Um, first, uh, I was thinking of financial institutions. So similar to how they provide uh, foundational level uh, financial fraud um, protections in place for their business clients, right? Um, they could provide access to risk ratings and reporting, cyber risk ratings and reporting. Um, and, and since every business needs, right, a financial institution, um, I thought that would be a great way to roll it out. Um, Obviously, it is a cost to the financial institution, but if you think about it, if their business clients have a cyber event, a ransomware event, a major breach, they may default on their loans, right? They may not be able to pay off their credit. So, 
so there is an incentive for the financial sector uh, to do this. Another sector that I have engaged with on a similar approach are insurance uh, groups. Again, every business needs some kind of right insurance. Um, and as opposed to self-attestation, which is what they do for cyber liability insurance today, for the most part, right? They make you fill out a questionnaire. Most businesses don't even know how to answer cyber-related questions, right? Because they're lucky if they have one IT smart person. Um, so that, you know, could enable uh, smart insuring, right? But then I think you bring up a great point, which is how do you, right, make it equally accessible um, and so is there a government role? And because I think critical infrastructure are the sectors, starting with the energy sector, that need to have this um, approach in place, uh, is it something that uh, Department of Energy could make available, right, to all U.S energy sector entities? Is it something that DHS, CISA, the, the cybersecurity and critical infrastructure right agency could make available? Um, because when you do this kind of rating and reporting at scale, it's actually not expensive, right? It's using publicly available data sets and AI-based risk analytics um, that at scale can get down to literally uh, $25 per company per year. So I think all of those options need to be explored, but I think for listed companies, um, it's something that should happen now. All right, so uh, I wanna build uh on this uh, point. So sort of uh, a question yet to be answered would be, you know, who would own the ratings and who owns uh, uh, the independence? And it, it is about building market credibility. So go back to, you know, if the rating agencies in the financial markets were getting it wrong consistently, the, there would be no credibility and no one would rely on it. Uh, I would argue also just and because this is how I um, just to your point there, you know, there hasn't been a systemic response. We have analogs out there where we've solved problems. There was a time when um, the financial filings of companies that, you know, wanted to raise capital in the public markets um, were, you know, investors were losing money, you know, hand over fist and you know, there was a lot of fraud in the market. And, you know, then this notion of an SEC came about uh, to regulate public companies and, and obviously the importance of auditor independence, looking at the books and records of a public company and signing off on it so that investors can rely on financial statements. And, you know, similar fashion, we talked about restaurants, but I'm going to take people back because there's actually a, a consistent thread. There was a time when uh, 
consumer electronics, uh, people would buy products in stores and they'd catch fire or they'd, they'd, they'd cause a fire inside of a house because of, you know, various, uh, I, I, I assume, electrical connections. And something came about called Underwriters Laboratory. Uh, people will see a, a little UL uh, on virtually every product, uh, electronic product that you buy that where you plug something in. And UL has, uh, Underwriters Laboratory has kind of evolved or morphed into NIST and stuff. But it became a very, it became a way that made sure that companies that were producing things that people were consuming, people could rely that certain safety protocols had been followed and products examined. And what I'm hearing from you, Terry, is that for some reason, uh, notwithstanding the systemic nature of this risk, uh, we not only have yet to apply an appropriate certification or rating, but that, in fact, this could be done and could be done on a scalable basis. And I'm not going to hold you to the $25 per company charge, uh, but, but, but nonetheless, you see the ability to scale and figure out who would be the appropriate, I'll call it, agency, whether it's a specific industry agency or whether it's a government agency or whether it's, you know, the audit community or it's the, you know, the SEC that is examining the books and records of companies all the time. But you, you, you see this as not only a possibility, but we've done this before. So why are we not doing it now? Is that a, a fair summary of sort of your thinking and how you've been looking at the problem? Absolutely. And, and, and I will add, we're spending billions of dollars today and we're not having a systemic impact. I think we have thrown away the last 10 years by not providing an approach that can be adopted by all and can enable them. So it's not about more money. It's about how we're spending our money today to address digital age risk. Um, and so wouldn't it be worth, right, um, implementing this across, even in a, in a trial period, implementing it across all listed companies, implementing it um, across critical infrastructure, uh, seeing the power of when you look at it across a sector, um, then you also get the trend data, right, on the risk, the maturity, the vulnerabilities, the threats, right? Since we're not doing this systemically, then we don't see all of that, right? The only place it's currently coming together is with the Information Sharing Analysis Centers, the ISACs by sector, but it's what they're known knowns that they're seeing within themselves, whereas this approach is an outside-in approach. I call a hacker view of your risk. And so the analytics can be extremely powerful and informing and then enabling to then feed back to that sector 
um, about their resilience. So in other words, it can be a path forward to get better and better and better as opposed to a whack-a-mole approach we're focused on today. Okay. So I'm going to underscore two themes um, in your thinking. One is there has been an, a high degree of inefficiency in the spend and um, no end in sight, by the way, uh, without solving the problem. Sort of responding to the, you know, the, the last battle as opposed to thinking about the things ahead. And then secondly, and I, you know, as you talk about public companies, but this can be true of private companies, what you're also advocating is actually almost like an investor protection act to protect the people whose capital is invested in these companies and obviously people provide financing to these companies, et cetera. So beyond the fact that this, these are profound and important issues systemically to the nation's security and the national economy, this is also about investor protection. And it's also about, I'll, I'll call it the efficient management of scarce resources in responding uh, to a problem that is not going away anytime soon. Exactly. Um, I, I ran large, you know, multi-billion dollar government programs in the day. And so, you know, really leveraging those limited resources smartly, I think is critical. And to date, because a lot of cybersecurity best practices are focused on checklists and compliance, um, not efficiently and effectively using the tools and technologies that we have finally today, we can skip echelon to those next generation approaches um, in a way that we could not. So I think my final plea would be anyone who wants to have a conversation about how to implement this, you know, with listed companies, with critical infrastructure, um, across businesses that, you know, rely on the financial sector. Um, I would love to have that, com that conversation and to create many pilots, right? Um, uh, many things going on in parallel so that we can learn from those and then, per your point, maybe propose, right, different alternatives that could be implemented and not five years from now, but how about over the next year? And so in the few minutes we have remaining, and I know we've taken on a lot, um, this is basically using available technology as you say, not a uh, industry reporting system of, you know, what's happening and what has been caught, but taking an outside-in uh, approach to looking at the companies and the risks they're facing and their controls and the security that they've implemented, et cetera, and assigning a rating to the companies based upon 
um, a number of different factors. Have I essentially distilled the idea? Yes. And the only thing I would add is it also includes areas of focus that map to those risks. So it actually provides them a way, a prioritized way ahead. So it's not just here are your risks. It's here where you, you should focus your limited time and resources. Right. And um, I want to, the people who are listening to this podcast, they uh, will know uh, themes that you and I have, and others have worked on, but you have to understand um, the cyber threats. Uh, while technology is deployed and there are portals for penetration inside companies and for all sorts of schemes, um, the the crimes that are being committed go back. I, I've said this repeatedly, Terry, uh, go back to the days of the Bible. But to understand it as, you know, crimes that are being committed in new ways, not new crimes, and to also understand that the threats for you are, you know, sort of, they are more remote, they're often anonymous, and they're often sponsored by state actors or, uh, or people acting on behalf of uh, nation states and why this approach is so um, so critical to understanding the systemic nature and why this one-off type of thing doesn't work and we, ha we have to do better. Uh, but one of the things that I also loved about your thinking is that it's not punitive. This is not about embarrassing companies or finding them. And, uh, you know, for, we'll call it for the next conversation, um, as you flesh out the idea in giving a rating to a company based upon where they are, you're also giving them an opportunity to improve that rating. Here's where some of the weaknesses are, and here's what you can do to close the gaps. And with that, you know, I make this up, Terry, but I'm hearing you say you can go from a C to an A. And yes. that's part of this. Absolutely. And you'll know where you are and then you can share that with others and then you can find out where they are. That, right, that that mutual peer pressure, right, helps us to stay up on top of ourselves. Um, but it's motivational, not not punitive, as you said. Thanks so much, David, for your, for your time. Always a pleasure. And this has been great and uh, to be continued. And I look forward to having you on the webinar next week. More to come. David Lawrence is the founder and chief collaborative officer of RAIN. Terry Roberts is the founder, president, and CEO of White Hawk, Inc. Join both on June 8th for a webinar from RAIN on the patchwork of cyber regulations and how to navigate them. RAIN offers risk intelligence solutions to more than 400 leading corporations, government agencies, and academic institutions. Learn about RAIN's community-based solutions that address a range of enterprise risks at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. Thanks for listening.